Hello again, and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and a chance to get all the turkey that you needed and enjoy uh, it with friends, whether it's over Zoom or in person, depending on where you're located. Uh, but uh, I'm glad that we're able to come back, and and we're just back for a short while because we're going to be taking a, a Christmas hiatus uh, here at uh, with this podcast. But as we head into Christmas season, we've continued looking at one of these topics, which is uh, which is conflict and resolving conflict. It's something that we deal with every day, if not by hour, depending on what type of workplace you live in. And it's something that you probably find yourself uh, seeing at home or amongst friends, depending on how your Thanksgiving went. Most likely, some topic came up of the past or politics or something like that, and it ended up in a good old-fashioned, what we would call a heated debate, but I think we know it just is, was really a conflict. We were taking a look last week at what, or two weeks ago, at what it meant for us when we are sometimes uh, a little bit judgy is what we were, the term we were using. Right. And and one of the things that we did in this was as really asking that question, how do we overcome that judgmental spirit and asking us how we can uh, be proactive and intentional, intentional about uh, getting over that judgmental spirit, which is focusing on the fundamentals of our faith, uh, really analyzing our attitudes as we were looking at at Romans chapter 14 and we found ourselves in, in verses 9 through 12. And and we took a look at two key areas, right? Focusing on the fundamentals of our faith and analyzing our attitudes as we look at what will help us overcome a judgmental spirit. Now, we arrived at, uh, we now arrive at the third one, which is considering our coming judgment. Now, now it is very easy uh, for us to to judge others, but realize that there is also a judgment that is coming for us. Uh, and and it's divided into two areas, too, judgment for believers and judgment for, for non-believers. And we'll take a look at both of those today, again, using Romans chapter 14 as our passage, and we'll be in verse 10 forward, as well as a few other places today as we, as we look at this. Judging and judgment and the coming judgment is one that you often see and hear about uh, by by the good old uh, pavement pounding uh, street preachers. You've probably seen people with signs out that says, you know, the end is near. And and I'm not trying to diminish in any way street preachers because I have, I know many people who've had their lives lives completely impacted by by them. However. Uh, it's usually the topic of conversation. Whenever I go to to meetings that are with uh, when a pastor is going to be ordained and we take a look at their statement of faith, usually they take a look or the questions come from two different areas. One, creation, and two, revelation, knowing that the end is coming or Jesus is coming again, depending how optimistic you are in this. Uh, but but Jesus is coming again. Uh, I say that as opposed to just saying the end is near. Because uh, as, as Christ follows, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is coming again. Yet at the same time, we mourn those who don't know Jesus, much like he mourned 
uh, mourned over the city of Jerusalem as he was entering into it during uh, the Easter or during the Passion Week uh, as we know it. But but when we look at the, uh, the coming judgment, knowing that we will all be judged, judged should keep us from coming down on others in judgment in many ways as well. The last part of verse 10 in chapter 14 gives the answer about why we shouldn't judge or look down on others. It says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Now, three times in this passage, we're reminded that we will appear personally before God's judgment seat. We will all is the statement. And my guess is, is that Paul had to repeat it because the church in Rome was just not getting it. Uh, and, and they just enjoyed judging others so much. And the word all here is at the front of the sentence in the original to show that each of us will have to give an account. Plus, it's in the future tense. So we will all stand. So knowing that this is coming and knowing that this is going to happen and it's going to happen to everyone should make us stop, pause, and take note. Judgment is a a prominent biblical theme, but it is not talked about as much today as, as it probably should be. But it should be because the term is used 72 times alone in the New Testament. And, and like I said, there's two basic judgments, one for believers, one for unbelievers. And let's take a look at the believer's judgment first. The phrase judgment seat comes from the place where the, the judges sat at athletic contests, and it was called the Bema seat, uh, or Bema, depending on uh, your tomato, tomato, uh, or how you pronounce, uh, how you like to, to pronounce your hard ease. But the judge's purpose was to determine what position the runner came in and then give it out with the appropriate rewards. The only one on this elevated seat was the judge. Everyone else was at the same level. And in a legal context, which we also see it, it was the place where litigants stood before trial. So, you know, likewise, you and I will be called before God uh, and and he own, only him. Uh, we'll be able to judge our thoughts, our intentions, our actions, and do likewise to every human being. So we know this passage cannot be referring to believers being judged for their sins because Jesus said in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him, uh, believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Paul adds in a couple chapters earlier in Romans here, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And, and if we put it a, a different way or paraphrase, in the past, God dealt with us as sinners. In the present, he deals with us as, as sons and as daughters. And in the future, he deals with us as judgment seats, at, at the judgment seat as servants. Uh, and uh, as we look at, uh, I mean, even let's go further and take a look in the book of First Corinthians. Uh, and if you've got it, if not, I'll, I'll be reading it. Um, and I want us to look at two different passages, one in chapter three and one in chapter four, and then we'll actually go to second Corinthians. Uh, so we're really diving into the word today. Uh, and let me just read, read these for us. First Corinthians chapter three, verses 12 through 15. If any man builds on his foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. 
it will uh, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he uh, if what he has uh, built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. What we're saying here is we need to be investing in the things that will last forever, not those things that will be burned in fire. And did you notice here that some believers will be saved, but their works will will be burned up, meaning that there will be fruitless works uh, that will be, be burnt up, but they themselves will be saved. And, and it's a call really to check our attitudes and our actions again, going back to the first two points that we looked at two weeks ago. Uh, the other is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. So, looking at that, and what I'm trying to do here is build a bit of a picture uh, of what it looks like for us as believers. We're told here to trust in God's timing and, and the timing of God's judgment because eventually we will receive our rewards. And remember that God sees not just our ministry, but the motives behind what we do. If we jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 5.10, staying in uh, Corinthians, and this must have been an issue with the Corinthians and the church in Corinth, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due, due to him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. And this verse brings together and sheds further light on, on the passage of Romans chapter 14. We will all bef- appear before the judgment seat and we will receive rewards according to how we invested our lives. Taking that into to our, our own context, the last time I checked, God doesn't need any help judging people. I don't, I, I don't think he does. Uh, yet we seem to uh, have an issue with that because we set, we usually tend to do it. And that's usually one of the areas where we find ourselves struggling with, both as church and as individuals and in our uh, work contexts or wherever we may be. But God doesn't need any help judging people because we're all on the same level. That's what's been established here. God is the judge and we are all on the same level. Uh, here's a, a paraphrase of this verse. Eventually, we're going to all end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God. <laughs> so when we're critical or when we're condescending of others, it's not going to help improve our position one bit is what I'm saying here. And that's really the, the reality of, of what being a bit judgy looks like in our, in our lives. If God is going to judge others, why do we need to get involved? He knows them better than we do, and he certainly loves them more than we do. It's, it's really difficult to satisfy or appease a self-appointed judge because they're always looking for faults. And, and that's not what God is. Some people love playing that gotcha game when they're constantly looking out for people who mess up, and, and they're willing to tell you that you've messed up over and over and over again. In, in what we see here is for believers, it's more important to correct in encouragement and in love rather than just 
make ourselves feel better at times because someone's doing something worse than us, which is is usually what the problem is, at least what we see uh, with the people in Romans as they argue about what type of food they should eat. So, so we understand that there is a there is a judgment for believers, but there's also judgment for unbelievers, right? There's at least one other judgment found in the Bible because believers are covered by the salvation of Jesus Christ. They will not face this one, but it should shake us to the core in my mind because there are millions of people, some in our family, some are friends, some are co-workers, and, uh, and maybe some of you, uh, even who are listening, who have not repented and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and this, is, this is where a lot of that, the end is near and, and repent because of the coming judgment of Christ or signs you may see or statements you may hear. It comes from Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, where it says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there's no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That is a a very, uh, very scary thought, right? There's two judgments that we've looked at, right? One for believers, one for non-believers. And as we take a look at this more, we see why, why our statement, even as a church, as a whole, is one where when it talks about end times, we need to really uh, be under the belief and and know for certainty that Jesus is coming again. That is something that excites us. That first part of that statement, Jesus is coming again. The second part, the second part is we need to act with urgency because people will die without knowing him. Right. Uh, It is uh, if if we take a look at um, verse 11, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow uh, before me and every tongue will confess. It's the quotation from Isaiah 45, 22 to 25. Um, And uh, and as we look at this and we and we start to take a look at what judgment means i hope it really brings us to the root again to the foundations of of how we move forward how can we overcome that judgmental spirit uh focus on the fundamentals of our faith analyzing our attitudes and consider that coming judgment uh and and i think the more that we we focus on that the sooner we are able to have a greater impact. Now, the action steps we take from this uh, is a lot to do, has a lot to do with urgency, and this is where I really want to challenge us uh, today with with this. Is uh, you've heard that phrase, maybe live life as as if each day is your last. Well, I think the better way to put it is live 
live life each day as if Jesus Christ is coming back <laughs> today, um, because it will put a sense of urgency into your life for those around you who don't know Jesus. Uh, and I think when we think of Jesus coming again or end times or the coming judgment, which we, we, we look at, this really takes into account knowing that Jesus could come at any moment takes into the fact that we want others to be there as we gather in heaven. Um, and, and if we take this perspective, live life each day as though Jesus is coming again, this will help us keep short accounts of others because the deeds of this life are the destiny of the next, really. A uh, famous commentator uh, said it ought to be the business of, of every day to prepare for our final day. And and it's true. Uh, at night, we should take time and reflect that one more day is gone. And as we head into the next day, we're able to ask ourselves, how will we be able to impact with urgency people with the name Jesus Christ? And, and the second is, is living out that that first John two twenty eight and now dear children continue continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him. There's this realization that we need to be willing to confess our sins and repent from certain ways in which we've been living. Uh, and and that's where where we see this in this John passage. And and the other is. Uh, is give grace instead of, I guess, words of condemnation uh, to others. There's the proper time for each of those. But Jesus brings us uh, up short in Matthew twelve thirty six because we always, um, we all use um, probably wicked words too much. But it says, I tell you the truth, men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. That's a very big statement, right? Uh, and and I think we need to take that wholeheartedly, right? It's not the deeds that is being mentioned in Matthew 12. It's on the day of judgment, every careless word, every word will be scrutinized. And, and that leads us to, to witness like nothing else. Judgment is real. Hell is real. Eternity is forever. <laughs> let's get on it. That's uh, let's get her done and let's let's start impacting people. This is that challenge, right? We can't shy away from acknowledging the fact that hell is real, judgment is real, and eternity is a very long time. And that should reflect how we go. So so as we uh, as we go from here, my hope is that we're a continuing on conflict and how we resolve conflict with others. But but a bit of it is today understanding our own judgmental spirits as how what we can bring to conflict that we may not realize we're bringing to conflict, and that is being judgmental and understanding how we approach people. So so I uh, hopefully uh, hopefully you're enjoying this as we take a look at what conflict 
is, what it looks like, what it means for us. I'm going to pray, and and we've got kind of some homework, I guess you could say, for today uh, and for this week as we move into next week as well as we continue more on this this topic. But let me pray, and then we'll we'll head out. God, I just thank you for thank you for. Uh, just this time that we can spend reading your word. And I thank you for just this chance as we go through Romans and look at how we can be better citizens, not only in your church, but in our community as, as we seek to resolve conflict. We seek to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, but, but peacemakers who are actively uh, sharing uh, peace and building up peace in our communities and in the right way. And God, I just pray for all of us who've got a, probably a bit of that judgmental spirit in us that where we like to judge. And so my prayer uh, for today and our prayer for today is that as we go from here, we'll be able to give grace to others in our words. We'll be able to confess our own sins. We'll be able to live each day as though you are coming, knowing that that is going to be a great day for many, but also a, a, a very sad day for a lot as well. Uh, unless they know you. And so we just pray that we will go with urgency, we will go with excitement, and that your name will be proclaimed. And we just pray these things all in your amazing and holy name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will have one more week of this before we take our Christmas holiday, and and then we will be back in January. But until then, take care, have a great week, and I'll see you next time.